the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, 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 Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, it is another amazing day. So much happening. Great to be together. Ed Martin here. And uh, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, to sign up for the daily email that goes out at 5 a.m. Pacific time. Also, um, it goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast time, depending on where you are. And in between all those places, Monday through Friday, one email It gives you what you need to know, also called the Pro-America Report. I do a radio interview every um, week on a station in Alton, Illinois, and uh, the host is Smash, and Smash calls it the Pro-America Report email, which is about right. But what you get is the key details, a key aspects of what I'm seeing, a key, a few links, and we keep you up to date. So go to ProAmericaReport.com, sign up there for the daily email, and you can also always go there and read all these great interviews. In fact, later today, we will talk with Kimberly Fletcher. You can check out uh, the interviews there at ProAmericaReport.com. They're all archived there, so feel free to check them out. All right, today, what I want to cover, and you know, I cover on my live stream each morning at 9.45 uh, East Coast time. In the morning, 9.45 a.m. East Coast time. I live stream. I live stream on Twitter. I live stream on YouTube. The YouTube channel is Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's over on Facebook at Ed Martin Live. I do all those places. Just a 15 minute sort of what you need to know on what's happening. It gives me a chance early in the day to clear my head on what I'm seeing. Today, the title was, and it's the same title for this segment, is uh, How to Get from Fake News to the Big Lie by Donald J. Trump. So here's what I want to explain to you. We've talked a lot on this program about the narrative machine. The narrative machine is when big tech works with big media and is enforced by big government to set the narrative. The best example of this in recent memory, and it's falling apart, it's one of the really exciting things to see, is the great, what they call, the insurrection of January 6th, where they said... Big tech, big media, and big government. Big government arrested everybody, still holding a bunch of people. Big tech and big media enforced the idea that you must uh, ab- absolutely, positively, it was a murderous, violent insurrection. Except in the last couple of months, all the details that were, we, we were told we must believe have fallen apart. There was no murder. There was no insurrection. There was no organized anything. It was a it was a uh, a potpourri of characters and uh, some trespassers. Most of the people were walking within the rope lines of the Capitol and kind of on a tour, and it's fallen apart. And the media and the big and the narrative machine knows it. So they're sliding away from the great insurrection, and they're kind of moving on. They're trying to make it so. And by the way, half the country, more than half the country, believes there was an insur- a murderous insurrectionist plot. It's crazy. It's crazy that they did that. So here's what's happening. That's falling apart. By the way, that was the big lie. The narrative machine's big lie was that it was an insurrection, like the Russia hoax, like the fine people hoax, all these things. Now, you say to yourself, okay, but what else is out there? Well, the media has tried to tell you that the big lie was the election in 2020, that there was any problems, that there was any fraud. And here's where it gets interesting. Interesting. 
Do you remember? You won't. You won't remember. I'm going to tell you something you probably don't remember. You may not even ever known it. That back when Donald Trump was running for president and he was targeted by all the different media and his opponents and everyone, one of the things that they tried to say to him was they tried to say at one point they called him. They said, you are engaging in fake news. And for a little while, they were using fake news. The media was saying that when Donald Trump was lying, it was fake news. And they tried to make that stick. That was their way, their shorthand to make it so people were supposed to think, oh my gosh, he's not telling us the truth. What happened in that time, and you have to go back and look at it, how it happened. President Trump, then candidate Trump, turned the fake news on the media. And he said, I'm not the fake news. You guys are the fakers. You're the fake news. And he effectively took the, the, um, the criticism aimed at him. He took this laser aimed at him, and he turned it back around on the press. And today, everybody in the country thinks of the fake news. They know it. They don't think of it as when Joe Biden lies or when Donald Trump lies or anybody tells an untruth. They don't think that's fake news. They think of the fake news as what they see, which is the big media and big tech and how they push these things. I call it the narrative machine. But here's where it gets interesting. I have been saying for a few weeks that the big lie was actually the insurrection or the big lie was actually that the election was was uh, was a good uh, and fair election. We don't even know. In the case of the insurrection, the so-called insurrection, that big lie, it fell apart because we got the facts. When it comes to November 2020, we've never been able to get the facts. We have an audit going on. Don't get me wrong. We've gotten some facts, but we've never gotten to the bottom. There's no transparency. We're just told to move on. And a couple of nights ago, President Trump was at an event. He was speaking to some supporters, and he said, "Maybe I think it was a couple of nights ago. Could have been a morning. Now that I'm saying that, it might have been a breakfast. But I have a friend that sent me the video, and he says, you know, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to tell them the big lie. I'm going to tell people what the real big lie is. The real big lie is not that the, the they're trying the media and the narrative machine is trying to say if you when you say big lie, that's the, the big lie is that the election was stolen. He's going to say no. The big lie." I'm going to use that against them. And I'm going to say the big lie is that the election was perfect and it worked perfectly. Why? Because once President Trump wrote, he sent a little a mini tweet. His tweets are now press releases. And when he sent the tweet, he goaded everybody into attacking it and saying, no, no, no. And by the time it's done, everybody's thinking the big lie is that the 2020 election wasn't fair. And they're debating whether that's was it, whether it wasn't free and fair. They're debating whether that's actually true and all that stuff. So he's winning by reframing. So he did it with fake news. He's doing it with the big lie. And it's it's really he's the only one in some sense. You know, Tucker Carlson does it on cable news. Some of the Rush Limbaugh used to do it. But Donald Trump is the only voice that's able to sort of freeze and reframe the narrative machine. And even he can't get it. He can't do it all the time. He can't win every time. This looks like one where he's winning where he's able to change the equation, change how people are perceiving it, and drive attention, like almost deflect, you know, like jujitsu, deflect the, uh, the attack and steer it the way you want. And that's what he's doing. And so now we have an audit. And by, oh, let me be clear. When people say, oh, no, no, that's not fair. The election, we've all looked at the election. We've looked at all the elections. We looked at the election returns. It's not fair. You know, there, there's, there's been no, no finding in court of, of, of uh, any violation. There hasn't been finding in courts to blow up the January 6th insurrection narrative either. It's just been as the facts have come out. Just like as the facts are coming out on November tw- about November 2020, we're finding out what went on. 
We, we, we do not have definitive proof. Most of the cases in court, though, of course, were dismissed because they never got to the, case, to the point of having any adjudication of the merits. So don't say that that's the only path. But here we're going to find out. If you want to shine the Klieg lights on, and you want Liz Cheney takes the bait and says, oh, yeah, the big lie, the big lie. Well, now we're talking about the big lie. Let's get to the bottom of it. And, here, and the American people, a majority of them, of both parties, have doubts about how our elections work. Until six months ago, so did every Democrat, it seemed, and after 2016, the Wharton School of Business, most of these different places, they were saying, how do we control the, the unpredictability of these electronic machines? We don't know if we can trust them. They could be hacked. They could be, you know, uh, they could be compromised. Now, suddenly, the big lie is that there's nothing to see here. There's no concerns at all. That's the big lie. And the thing has been turned on itself, on, onto the, the criticism, the critique, the sort of massive laser beam of what is this has been turned on the election. And let's see what that's at the bottom of this. Let's see what it's at the bottom of this. And you know what? The left doesn't want you to look. That's their biggest point is don't look. Don't get any closer. Don't look. We don't want you to look. We can't have you look. Don't look. That's what they're doing now. And as I said yesterday, the only way to get the system to yield transparency and hopefully truth, or at least transparency for more confidence, is to have the sort of antagonism, that's the wrong word, adversarial, that's the right word, adversarial contest where we're trying to get to the bottom of it. That's the only path forward that can allow us to get to the bottom of what's going on. Because, and, and again, to get to the voter confidence, because otherwise we're going to have to take, somebody's going to have to take somebody's word and half the country's not going to believe it. So go ahead and get to the bottom of it. Let's get to the bottom. Let's get more transparency. And then we can see exactly what we've got. And I've said over and over again, I do not believe that there will be anything that will be found that will return Trump to office. I'm not one of those people. But I do think if we want to have an election where people believe in the process, we better get to the bottom of this. And we need the adversarial system where they're pay- paying attention to each other and talking it through. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Kimberly Fletcher. Kimberly Fletcher, of course, is uh, Moms for America. And we'll also uh, get, an, uh, we'll get an update on her organization. Well, I'll also talk to her. I want to talk to her about exactly what we're um, seeing in terms of sometimes we chase the shiniest objects around. Uh, we got to stop that. All right, be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Kimberly Fletcher. Kimberly Fletcher is, well, she does a lot of things. She's a mom, which I think is how she got to some of her other things she does. But she is an organizer and a conservative leader and is all across the country doing things. Moms for America. Welcome, Kimberly. How are you? I am great. It's so good to be here with you. Well, nice to talk to you. So first of all, give us the thumbnail. We've had you on the show before, but give our listeners a thumbnail sketch of, of your organization, why you started it, how you started it, what it's grown to, all those kinds of things, please. 
So um, Moms for America is a national movement of moms to reclaim our culture for true family freedom and the Constitution. And we were founded in 2004, and we have a national membership that has just grown exponentially in the last couple of years because moms are very concerned about what's going on, and they want to make sure that their children are safe and protected and that they're raising good citizens. And so we help them do that. And it's uh, the best website I know is momsforamerica.us, right? Momsforamerica.us. There's a lot there. There's uh, details on being a member. also details on upcoming events and media news. Even the Moms for America store, if you wanted something for Moms for America for Mother's Day, there's lots of stuff there. So um, so uh, it, let me, you know, I was with General Flynn. I know he's actually coming out to do it, a, a, be a, a part of one of your events. I'm not sure if that's publicly known, but we'll just keep going. And, uh, and so, uh, but he was saying, interesting to tell you that the power he said of women especially mothers at this moment in some ways the cancel culture is harder on men it freezes men it makes them more uh likely to be sort of frozen by all the political correctness and everything and and he was describing that these these moms and and women in general but moms and grandmoms and grandmas and others are really really important at this current moment what how does it how does that you know of course the late phyllis schlafly who you and i both know um she was so focused in on helping families but how do you how do you balance this? You have a president of the United States, Joe Biden, who says things like we want to help uh, families by giving you child care credits. And then you say, wait, a bunch of the moms want to stay home with their kids. They don't want child care credits. I mean, it's an interesting uh, time in terms of the tension of all these different pushes and pulls in the culture. Right. Yeah, they keep throwing things at bones, I say. They throw uh-huh. bones at us that they think are going to capture our attention, capture our interest. But what the the leftists, communists, socialists, what they don't get is that mothers want to be with their children. And whether or not they work outside the home or they're doing community service, I mean, none of us are stay-at-home moms, okay? We're right. home sometimes. <laughs> we do the best <laughs> we right. but, we're, but we're moms full-time, regardless of what else we do. And they don't seem to understand that that's what we want to do. And they're making it seem like what we're doing isn't important by providing all of these outlets for other people to do our job. And we're the ones who want to do the job. And you brought up a very good point about the men being, um, I, I, I wouldn't, I hate to say the word less strong, because really they've been demasculated. And the reason why is feminists. The, the radical feminists have come out in, in such a, a huge, uh, outrageous way. The men are afraid to say anything. They're, they're afraid to, to be alone with women. They're afraid to be in even the vicinity of women. They're afraid to counter, count, contradict women. Um, but that's what makes Moms for America so unique, is that we are a whole bunch of moms who will stand against those feminists. And we are the majority. The, the feminists, those who really believe in the feminist uh, mystique, as Phyllis Schlafly always called it, very, 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 very small fraction of the Most of them are just deceived. And they've been, you know, conditioned to believe certain things that aren't true. The majority of women in this country are, are conservative women with, with freedom values. They're largely conservative women of faith who have been lied to. And they're starting to wake up and realize we don't like what you're dealing with. You don't, we don't like what you're giving us. And that's the same thing they're, they're trying to, to push back on Joe Biden. And there's these little bones that he's throwing us about the, the family leave and all that kind of stuff. Moms don't want it. They, they want the, the companies and the businesses to support them. They do not want the government to dictate to them. 
We're talking again with uh, Kimberly Fletcher and her organization, Moms for America. If you go to momsforamerica.us and you'll see Kimberly is the president and founder and has been slogging away uh, for many years at this and doing an incredible job. Uh, getting a, getting a, I'd say, uh, Kimberly, getting a sort of a certain amount of attention now and success, but you've been working in the in the vineyards for a long time and, and that's made a huge difference to everybody talks about like an overnight success. It really is overnight success after about 10 years of learning how to do this. But so, and, and here's a, a question I, I, I'm drawn to ask you. A lot of people want to tell, want to push us, meaning we the people, towards solving our problems through politics. And then you watch the 2020 election, you say, boy, that, some of the election the results didn't seem to you know, match with what I saw, and so I'm worried about that. And then you say, well, I get good, good men and women in office, but they don't always live up to what they did, see the Republican majorities in the House and Senate in, under, the, under President Trump. And, and you just kind of, and you're sort of, how much, uh, do, do you worry that, the, that politics is a trap? In addition to an opportunity, it's a trap, and that sometimes we're running towards politics to solve our problems when the problem is, is much different at, at its heart. All of the politics things that we see there are symptoms of the problem. And the reason why we keep losing, and we are losing, I mean, we have been consistently using, losing in small degrees over the course of the last 40, 50 years, really 100 years, um, and, and now we're at the point where it's fast-tracking, and the people who have been destroying our country are so emblazoned and emboldened at this point that they're, they're saying everything that they're going to do, and then they do it. They're, they're just coming right out. So the problem has been that we have been fighting principle with policy. And the communists, the socialists, those who have been, have been infiltrating all aspects of our society, they have been taking the principle and using that as the base foundation of everything that they do. And they've taken the principle of freedom, of free markets, of free enterprise, everything that made America the greatest, freest, most uh, most free country on earth, they have made it bad. And they have taken all the communist collective ideas and made them good. And they have infiltrated those principles into every aspect of our, our society, beginning in our schools. And so our children have been raised on the principle of big government. And so it, there was a great quote uh, years ago that said, if you're going to send your your children to Caesar schools, don't be surprised when they come home Romans. We're sending our <laughs> children to government schools and now we're surprised when they come home good little socialists. So what we need to do is we need to take those principles, those those founding principles that our families in the revolution and the beginning of our country fought so hard for and reinstill them in the culture. Instead of fighting principle with policy, we need to fight principle with principle because freedom wins when we do that. We, we can't. I just lost you a little bit there, Kimberly. Let me see if you come back. You you just lost your, uh, you lost your. Oh, there it comes. Sorry, I'm there. Sorry. So you, you you promote freedom by focusing on the principle and infusing that in all aspects of our country and culture. And the one place on the planet where we still have a proactive move right now to have an impact on our country is in the home. Everything else is defense or monumental task. And I'm not saying that we walk away from those things. I'm just saying there are several other organizations out there that are doing those things. But Moms for America is the only organization that is focused on promoting a love of liberty in the home. And that works from the inside out in healing our country. Again, we're talking with uh, with Kimberly Fletcher, the founder and president of Moms for America. Uh, dot U.S. is the website, momsforamerica.us. Um, 
Kimberly, when you meet folks, they come to an event, they, they walk up to you and they say, I heard about your group. I want to get involved. And what do you tell them? And how do you explain to um, your volunteers and your colleagues that, hey, you know, everybody's busy and, and it's almost like you can be an imperfect volunteer or an imperfect team member. And that's what we're all doing. You know, in other words, it's, the perfect is the enemy of the good in this country. say, I am just too busy. I got too I got I got my kids. I got my uh, family i've got this that, and the other thing and it's kind of like no at this moment you've got to get into this fray in whatever way you can uh, how do you talk to them about that and, and about your organization the first thing we tell them to do is to, to go to the cottage meeting so the cottage meeting project is literally life-changing and every single mother who has gone through that has said oh my gosh it changed my life um, when you know what your rights are where they come from and how to effectively exercise them. It's a game changer. And our, our cottage meeting project, it's our signature program. And it's like Tupperware for Liberty. Moms already know how to do it. And you just, it's just one, you know, one woman who decides to invite her, her friends and neighbors into her home. We all have a circle of influence. And so those, that circle of friends comes into the home and we lead discussion groups. And the first 12, you can do it, you know, once a week, once a month, um, how, however often you want to meet. And if all they do is meet once a month by the end of a year, these moms have more knowledge and understanding of the Constitution and the principles of liberty than the majority of elected officials, judges and attorneys in this country. And we have mountains of anecdotal evidence to prove it. We've gone toe to toe with with elected officials, with radio hosts, with with um, big corporate leaders. I mean, it, it really freedom is common sense. And when you have the, the, the understanding of what the America story is, what freedom really means, then you are armed and you are ready for the battles ahead. And so we tell them, just take the cottage meeting and, and the passion will penetrate you and the Lord will guide you in the direction that you need to go. Uh, we're, again, we're talking with Kimberly Fletcher, the president and founder of uh, Moms for America. And, and the, uh, um, you know, uh, Kimberly, how do you help your people your moms and your and, and as a leader now not get distracted by what's really important and you know right now i i often say uh and if i didn't say it right now moms for america uh dot us is the website go check it out you go to the links there and you'll see under the uh, under the um uh, uh get involved um no sorry under the where did i find it i found it uh get involved there it is um you can find the cottage uh the cottage Boy, oh boy, I'm I'm stumbling. Hold on, I just put the link in our, in our uh, the cottage meeting uh, project, and you can find it there. So, but how do you tell people? How do you help people not get focused on the wrong thing? Meaning this, we're living in a world where big tech and big media and now big government are 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 just working together on what I call the narrative machine, and they want us to run in circles. And and I, I I'm going to be careful here because I've been one of the ones who said over and over that these idea of transgender of boys going and becoming transgender and playing sports against girls is terrible it's mostly terrible because the whole thing is so darn confusing in general but i also someone who says wait a second like there's you can fight that fight and it's nice that caitlin jenner is telling us that it's a bad idea although caitlin jenner has done plenty to confuse uh, the american people in the last five or so years i i kind of watch and i say um yeah you know okay your school board may be dumb on crt it's terrible but it's the teachers union that's destroying your whole community because of how they manage the schools and i kind of wonder about how you 
Fox News even and conservatives will have us run towards a problem. And the best example is racism. The country's racist and we start debating whether a racist. This is silly. That's not what families are facing. That's not what's going on. And, and it's a real challenge to get good God fearing Americans to not chase the, the shiny object that the media and big tech wants us to. How do you do that? And you're right. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They want to pull us away from the core, the answer, the solutions, which are home, family, education, church. All those things are the answers. And if they weren't, then those, you know, destroying the country wouldn't spend all their time focusing on it. While we're just making sure our hair looks good. We we look good on, you know, how many commercials have we done and how many, you know, battles are we fighting in the open. We need to start going deeper. And so one of the things that we tell our moms is, first of all, stop using their language. Um, they, they guide the conversation when we use their language. The second thing we tell them is stop following the squirrels. Don't get caught in the weeds. Focus on the principle, not the policy. It's always the principle that wins. And if you focus on the Constitution, the Constitution is the great equalizer across the board, and freedom wins. So it, it, it is a plan, an orchestrated plan, for them to get us distracted and constantly throw a barrage of things at us because you can't possibly keep up with all of those policies and laws that they're throwing out there. So instead of, you know, tackling the whole transgender thing, first of all, we tell them there's no such thing as a transgender bathroom. Understand what this is. This is um, open sex co-ed bathrooms. They are forcing our children, our little boys and our little girls all the way up to high school and in locker rooms into the same bathroom in a very uncomfortable situation and safe situation. We need to start calling it out for what it is. And then we, we help them understand that this transgender movement is, has nothing to do with the, with the very few who, who do have you know, an issue. I mean, tiny, tiny, minuscule. What they're trying to do is confuse our children. They're literally on a path to convince our children to hate their country, hate their neighbors, and hate themselves. And that's what we need to focus on, the safety and protection of our children. So all of these things that they're out there throwing at us, we have the ability to turn it around. And first we need to know who we are. What is America? What what does that mean for us? Why is our, why are families so important? What can we as mothers do in our home? And then we start engaging in the school board. We understand the value and the importance of the school board. We need to start taking over school boards across this country. Parents need to be filling those seats. And just as an, an example, in Florida, and I don't know if any other state does this, but in Florida, every county is a school district and every school district is a county. That means that in the state of Florida, the two most powerful entities are the sheriff and the school board. So we need to have conservative, freedom-loving parents with common sense filling those school boards in every single county in Florida. And we need to start doing that across the country. But you first need to know what are your rights, where do they come from, and how to effectively exercise them. That is the root. They know how to destroy. We need to know how to repair, restore, and secure. Oh, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. But uh, Kimberly Fletcher is the right woman to do it. It's Moms for America, momsforamerica.us. Go there and check it out. Lots of events, lots of resources. As always, uh, thank you, uh, Kimberly, for everything you're doing. And we will look forward to talking to you again very soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank God you bless. Much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I got a quick hit because I went so long on that interview with uh, Kim.
Kimberly Fletcher. So let me get to it real quickly. Um, have, have you seen the picture of uh, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter with um, Joe Biden? It has yet to be adequately, adequately explained what happened. But if you see the photograph, it's um, as awkward as the beginning of the word, um, the beginning of the conversation. It's awkward. It's strange. Joe Biden looks like a monster, like a giant. And, uh, and it is very odd positioning. But here's what I wanted to say. Um, I don't love his politics, but Jimmy Carter's been a pretty darn good uh, ex-president in the sense that he's lived a, I mean, I, again, I don't like his politics. He said some really dumb things. I mean, I'm willing to concede that, but he, you know, there's something about living so long and he's done so much, um, of his church work and so much sort of, he did election stuff. Remember he did a lot of voting stuff. It's funny. Uh, the Carter center has done a bunch of things about election integrity, but he really was used as a prop. And I have to say, while I know it's part of the way life has to be, especially in the modern era, it feels like the Biden family, it's Jill Biden and Joe Biden, they, because they're just of the swamp so thoroughly, everything is sort of transactional in the photo op way. It's just like they don't do any. Did you see the, the thing where Joe Biden bent over and picked up a dandelion and gave it to his wife? And of course, then it was immediately put out on social media. You know, this incredible moment. It just feels like everything they do is so clearly managed in the direction of uh, of photo ops. And... Um, I was at lunch earlier uh, today with a friend of mine who works up on Capitol Hill, and he said there's constant rumors that uh, Joe Biden will not you know, be president for much longer and Kamala Harris. I don't buy it. I don't actually buy it. I, I think that the powers that be that are really running things, the Susan Rice's of the world, the, uh, the, the Samantha Powers, a lot of the Obama people, you had, to, you had to watch closely. Samantha Powers was sworn in to another job, I think, over in the Department of State, either state or maybe, I don't know, another job that has a lot of importance. I think that they're happy to have the front man, and Joe Biden is happy to be the president and be and take photo ops with Jimmy Carter and and uh, and you know he he as someone tweeted earlier he he gives he has so many gaffes that he's not really embarrassed by it it's kind of just who he is so he said earlier some gave a speech in the last day or two and said not under my new plan not one person not one person not one person who makes four hundred thousand dollars or less will pay a single penny of tax what. That's not possible, but he says it and everyone kind of rolls their eyes and goes, oh, well, that's Joe. That's Uncle Joe. That's Joe Biden. And that's what it is. So I think he's happy to go through that. I go through the uh, go through the he, he's happy to be a um, a kind of uh, a a president of the photo op, a president of the appearances and let everybody else, you know, another story out of, uh, I think, Politico bragging about how many more Ivy League uh, people, graduates work in the White House. It's a big deal. It's a big thing to brag about. OK, again, if you're proving the point that, you know, people with a worldview are running the government, it's just not Joe Biden. He went to the University of Delaware. Barely. Barely. All right, everybody, got to run. We'll come back and wrap things up. Short segment here. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. And uh, and don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Get all these interviews and all these segments over there. And sign up for the daily email, the Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. Ed Martin, Pro America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 
Everyone has something to say about President Biden's immigration crisis, including Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. He explained to the media that Biden's political positions caused the unprecedented influx of illegal aliens from Central America. President Obrador simply said they see him as the migrant president. Obrador is right, and so are the illegal aliens. Joe Biden personally invited these aliens to seek harbor in our nation. Mexico's president knows where the blame lies, which is why it is unlikely that Mexico is going to do anything to stop this deluge. In the month of February alone, 100,000 illegal aliens crossed into the United States, and that could easily add up to millions this year alone. In four years of a Biden administration, this influx of unemployed, poor, non-English-speaking migrants could top 10 million and bankrupt our government services. If Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans had not blocked President Trump's efforts to build a southern wall, then this crisis would not be happening in the first place. Stolen elections have consequences, and we face four years of holding migrant children in inhumane detention camps until conservatives can restore order by finishing the wall. President Trump was mercilessly hounded by liberals for supposedly mistreating illegal aliens at the border. But the Biden administration is providing far worse treatment to far greater numbers of people. While appearing to seem oblivious to this crisis of their own making, Democrats now seek to pass a comprehensive amnesty bill along with a separate bill to import Mexican farm workers. Democrats bypassed customary committee hearings on both bills and sent these terrible bills to the House floor under a closed rule, which prevented amendments being added by Republicans. Democrats facing midterm elections next year should see their political futures stampeded by endless crowds of illegal aliens breaking into our own country. The choice between parties could not be more clear. Biden will not stop the crisis. And thanks to Trump, this is a core issue for the Republican Party. If Democrats want any chance of success in the next election, they have to stop the Biden immigration crisis. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the latest on building the wall to protect our southern border? To the liberal media, it's a joke. But the crisis of illegal aliens is no laughing matter. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're asking serious questions regarding what to build, who's paying for it, and how best to deploy our military. Go to phyllisschlafly.com and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, let's wrap things up with a story that makes me, on one hand, absolutely incensed. On another hand, I, I, sh- I shrug and say, uh, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if people act like you expect them to act, like, 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 we, like, like human beings act. That is to say, if you give them an incentive, if you give them the opportunity, people will take it. Right. This is like the oldest teaching in the book, isn't it? I mean, you could call it you could say the opportunity to do wrong or do right or whatever. But anyway, welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. As we're wrapping up today, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kimberly Fletcher earlier. She's really a special uh, person, so check that out. Go to ProAmericaReport.com and uh, queue in there. By the way, I also interviewed last week, uh, we had an interview with um, C.B., well, I, I call him Cliff, um, because Cliff, a uh, C.B. Sheep, 
but I call him Cliff. His book, uh, his book was called um, Cliff, Cliff Mills, Cliff Mills, uh, a story, uh, a, a um, fiction. And over the weekend, I, I bought it as a uh, audible. Uh, he mentioned that he had an audible um, version of it. I got that, and so I was able to um, uh, listen to it. Uh, it's extraordinary. It's really great. And he had a great interview with him over at uh, ProAmericaReport.com too. So go over there. It's, it's, it's housed over there now. He was interviewed last week. So um, okay, but here's what I want to wrap up with. This is an extraordinary story. It's totally, totally predictable. And later this week, we'll talk with Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. And if I remember, I will ask him about this. But there's a story reported over at the Daily Caller. And it is that they, they have a way to measure the amount of money that's wired back to Mexico from America. It is a transaction that is recorded, mostly, I think, for security purposes, national security purposes. They're called remittances, a remittance. Remittance is when you send money back to your home country from where you're working. And so for the, for the first time in a long time, or maybe I shouldn't say that, I should say it more, uh, more uh, with a positive, more uh, directly, that's the word, the, um, just the measurement of the number of dollars sent back to, uh, from Mexican workers who were living abroad, it went up. It went up to $4.15 billion. That's 31, excuse me, 2.6% higher than March 2020 and 31% higher than in February. So it's way, way up. Now, the question is, is there a way, is there a reason for that? And so here's the answer from Latin American economists at Goldman Sachs, whose job it is to track money because they're trying to build, you know, trying to manage the economy. And there's something called the Center for Latin American Monetary Studies. But here's the reality. Fiscal stimulus, in other words, the dollars, the tax dollars that America spent in the stimulus is what has allowed the money to get sent back to Mexico. Now, you say to yourself, well, are Mexicans that are living here working, are they getting stimulus directly? Some are, but mostly it's that the economy has not been allowed to slow at all. So I give you a stimulus and then you use it to pay someone to do something and they're Mexican. But the point is here, that's a lot of dough. That's a lot of money that's going back on these stimulus remittances. And no one has, there's a couple things you can do because it is regulated. You know, in other words, you have to track them. The banks aren't allowed to send them without tracking it. You could tax it. You could limit it. You could say we're only going to allow a certain amount. I mean, you know, think about what this is. If you earn your money, you should be allowed to spend it wherever you want. But if the idea would be America first, you might have a policy that says, um, as to America first... I'm going to let I'm going to put American citizens ahead of non-American citizens and let's tax them instead of talking about taxing the American people, whatever tax bracket, whatever income bracket you want to talk about. Why not tax the people that are sending money back to Mexico? Because they're actually, after all, benefiting from being here. Now, it is true that most of the people that are sending money back have already paid taxes on it, probably income tax, maybe payroll taxes. It's unlikely. Well, it's not clear how much of the remittances could be illegal, meaning money that's earned illegally. I guess you can't really know, but you do have to have the ability to get a a transmittal done. You have to show an ID and you have to be able to do that. So it's not exactly clear how you'd manage, but how did you manage all these details? But that's a pot of money that we should at least be having the conversation, especially if it's going up. It's going up because of our stimulus. So we're effectively stimulating and subsidizing other parts of the world. That's not a good model. Besides being infuriating, you know, it makes me crazy that we take tax dollars from you and me and then give it to other people to spend in other parts of the world. Uh, Besides that, 
it just goes back to sort of the basic fairness question. If you're looking, if you're looking to fund certain things, and maybe we should fund less of them, that's a different conversation. Why not look not at Americans first? But at, at foreigners that are here and the comeback will be, oh, but if you tax them or you tax it, they might not you do it. Well, they only have two choices. Then they spend the money here or they save it. Either one is not a terrible thing. We like to encourage savings. But don't pretend that when you put more stimulus in the economy, that people aren't going to go ahead and use the stimulus in the ways that they prefer. In other words, sending it back to the family in Mexico and other places. Seems to me it's an obvious one. I would stop remittances completely because that would change dramatically. The ability people would not come. Many people come here, and, and again, we are not judging. We should not judge the um, the uh, moral righteousness of someone who leaves his home country, comes to America to earn a living, and send it back to his family. That's righteous, but we should be straight about it. That there, there, it's impacting our people as well as subsidizing theirs. That's the reality of that. So it's an interesting story. I'll put it up on social media. Makes my blood boil, I have to be honest. And uh, all right, we've got to wrap things up. Thank you, as always, to our great uh, technical director, Noah, for keeping us on track and on time. And also thank you to, uh, (coughs) excuse me, Joanna, for booking our great guests. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and get yourself uh, signed up there. Uh, for our daily email and look at all these great interviews. Thanks, everybody. I'm, I've been battling some allergies, so I might sound a little hoarse, but I'm in the saddle. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.